The Small Town Business Podcast is sponsored by Visit Gippsland, the land of many wonders. Head to visitgippsland.com.au to plan your trip. Whether it's walking and hiking or cycling or driving, camping, fishing, drinking and eating, you'll be exploring some of the most unforgettable destinations around. Head to their website or get inspired by their social media. All the links are in the show notes. What I do love about doing business in a country town is that it is a community and that it does have that support and interaction, familiarity to it. I first got to know Dave Can a decade or so ago when myself and a friend were in the throes of setting up a farmer's market here in Warrigal. I remember that he was incredibly helpful with his time and generous with his knowledge and his networks. I was new to town and I didn't yet know who was who in the zoo, but Dave knows everyone. He's not only been a multi-business owner in this small town, but I'll let him tell you that story, but he's also been heavily involved in the local business groups, in driving tourism through events and bringing people together with a shared vision of shared success. Dave is now a good friend of mine, and though I might tease him sometimes for his entrepreneurial ways, honestly, I'm in awe of his energy, his tenacity, and his unwavering commitment to supporting local He and his wife, Mish, run a beautiful store and cooking school called String and Salt and expanded their business. Well, they literally knocked the wall down into the shop next door. And they're now selling high-end ovens and appliances too. Plus, they have a fabulous spice brand. And you'll hear us talking about the business that's keeping him very busy at the moment, Cleaver Salumi Cabinets. One of my favourite sayings is a rising tide lifts all boats. And I reckon Dave and Mish and their network of business owners and chefs and foodies and more are definitely that tide. I think you'll enjoy hearing his thoughts on how to be a leader, how to grow your business in a small town and why community is so important. But of course, I asked Dave to start at the beginning. We're based in Warrigal, which is a great town just out of Melbourne. Michelle was born here and I've been in Warrigal since I was uh, 10. I started my first business here in Warrigal. I guess I'm a country boy at heart. I love the aspect of knowing my clientele base, but also knowing the businesses around me. Um, I haven't experienced business in the city, so I don't really have that comparison to understand the differences. But what I do love about doing business in a country town is that it is a community and that it does have that support and interaction, um, familiarity to it. There's some great benefits to particularly being a business if you're aiming to do something a little bit different or a little bit out there being in a smaller pond as such allows you to really keenly focus on doing things at a higher level and not just being flooded by broad population or a huge businesses it does allow you to stand out and if you do that well then there are plenty of benefits plus at the end of the day you're not driving home in four and a half hours worth of traffic to get two kilometres up the road, you're in the place that you work and live is all there. Your business history, I probably don't even know how many businesses you've actually started and run from here, but can you tell us a little, I guess, the abridged version of the businesses that you've had and how they seem to have led into one another? I'm notorious for not being able to say no and also looking at an opportunity and going, if we do this now down the track, it might do this or become this or will succeed in this area. So taking opportunities and taking risks is something that's sort of fairly 
easy in my mentality. So yes, I have done quite a lot. I started when I was 20 in restaurants. My first business was a sort of family business in one of the local restaurants here in Warrigal, which is still going now. And I bought that off the previous owner who was my boss previously at that. And from there, we bought another cafe within town about 12 months later, another established cafe. And then we set up a wine shop attached to the original restaurant, which was the Courthouse Cellars, which then progressed into the press sellers. I might be biased, but I think it's the best bottle shop in Victoria. We ran a function center and we did a wholesale wine business packed into those things. But then we sold the restaurant and sold the cafe and me and my business partner, Stu, exclusively focused on the press sellers for a while. And then I sold my share of that to Stu and, and one of the staff there and um, went out and worked for somebody else for about 18 months and found that I'm really crap at working for somebody else. And I hated it more than anything. It just did my head in. I lost more sleep working for somebody else than I've ever lost working for myself. So I was itching to get back into it. Michelle and I had a young family. She had a huge amount of skills and things to share that I thought was worth pursuing. Michelle's not a risk taker. I am probably a lot on my pushing. We decided to to take a punt and get back into business. We offered a local business that was on the market really nice sum to to purchase their business and they knocked us back and was like, well, um, can't do it ourselves. So So let's go on to where you're at now. Also one of my favorite businesses in town, String and Salts and I remember the day you opened that store and it was it was really exciting because there was nothing like it in town there was nothing like it in the region and you could see straight away that the quality of what you were offering was just at a whole nother level can you tell us a little bit about the business what string and salt is and also what made you decide that the time was right to open a store like that in in Warrigal well string salt's pretty hard <laughs> At its core, it's relatively easy. We, we wanted to create a kitchenware, homeware shop that really had a key focus on quality, sustainability, natural type items that wasn't just junk and gadgets, which had started to infiltrate that sector at that period of time when we opened the store. We also saw an opportunity for bringing some quality products and retail to Warrigal. There was an expansion at that time of people coming back to the region, moving to the region, and Warrigal had probably gone through a little bit of a lull patch in terms of of retail at that time. And we wanted to create something that would be valid no matter which town or suburb, if you're talking about Melbourne, where it would sit well in those areas and so we didn't want to talk down to our town we wanted to bring things to the town that that other retailers have maybe not looked at or thought that wouldn't work so we really did pick some premium products and brands that previously people would have had to travel to the city or buy online and and so that was our key focus with that we also understood really acutely at the time that we were positioning ourselves at a relatively high or discretionary end of spending and that we were going to be a defiantly bricks and mortar business. So we had to think a little bit outside the square about how we would supplement that business. So 
we wanted to be a bit more diverse. So not just carrying wooden spoons and fry pans and platters. We had to actually think about how we would encourage customers to come into the store weekly or, you know, more often than that, rather than just when they were buying a special gift or buying something specially. And particularly given we were focusing on selling products that you buy once rather than buy every six months because they break and fall apart, we understood that we needed a bit more of a hook within that approach. So we looked around at other businesses um, within Melbourne and Sydney and further afield that we liked, and we started to put together some of those components into a store that we thought could have a little bit more validity in a smaller town. We understood that a store like ours in the city would be able to sort of have a large population base very close to it, and so we could in the city afford to be a little bit more uh, focused or within a niche or within a category, whereas in in a regional town you don't have that luxury. So we needed to be a little bit more to, to a broader base of people. Um, and that's when we incorporated things like the cooking school, which gives us the ability to be able to market and bring people along the journey of cooking and developing that side of things. Um, we added the spice store so that people could come in regularly to buy premium quality, fresh spices locally. And little things around that, including some of our favourite large kitchen appliances like Falcon cookers and Argus stoves. So we looked for a variety of things that would allow us to supplement the income and not just be a one-trick pony. One of the things that's so great about String and Soul is the way that you've pulled all of that together. There's all of the great cooking products and gifts and the cooking school is fantastic and always sold out. And you're bringing different cuisines and different ideas and and just fun into town because the town does have an interest in and, and a bit of a focus on food now, which is fantastic. And then, yeah, you knocked down the wall and had another shop next door, which is full of pretty fabulous looking kitchens. From the perspective of the town, it's it's become a bit of a destination, which I think is really important. I know you've been really involved with the business groups. You've been on every committee known to town. You've organised huge events. Every year you pull together Christmas events and all of these kind of activities that really bring people into town and and just create a sense of community. And so firstly, thank you for that because it's awesome. (laughs) But what I wanted to talk to you about was this thing that you seem to have where you see not only what is missing from town, you actually look to see what you can complement. And I know that you work closely with other businesses or you keep an eye on what everyone else is doing, not from a competitive sense, but really from a sense of, oh, if they're doing that, then let's support them and we'll do this instead. Why do you see that as important? I'm a very, very big fan of the concept of growing the pie. I've never really seen our place in business, regardless of which business we were at, is that we were there to take a portion of the pie from somebody else. And I know that competitive nature within business is easy to slip into. And it's really obvious within the larger businesses where they're looking to fight and take each other's share rather than growing the pie as such. 
And so for us, we've always had that really key focus that our success is not built on ourselves alone, particularly in a regional environment. Our success is built on the success of the community, the success of the town, the success of other businesses. And if other businesses are doing well, then that will benefit us in the long term. Maybe not necessarily in the short term, but in the long term, as that pie grows, if we're doing the right thing, if, if we're running our business well and offering service and products that people want, then our share will grow as well. And I think that's really important in a small town because it really can be easy to fall into us and them mentality with other businesses that are similar to what you do. And that's challenging because, you know, there's very few unique businesses. We're all somewhat copies of other people. And it's easy to sort of fall into that mentality of copying what's been successful or being aggrieved when people copy you. You know, you do have to shelve that sometimes and think of the bigger game. That's always been important to us. You know, we've always looked for what things we can bring to town, what brands we can bring to town, what services, what opportunities we can offer to the community that will grow that pie and make people prouder of our town. And if they're proud of our town, then they'll shop locally. If they shop locally, even if they're not shopping with us, then that benefits us. This is the thing that I love. And I think that all small towns can definitely benefit from to get involved and to be a part of the success of the whole town. I quite often say to people that when you're in a small town, you're all responsible for tourism. Even if you're a mechanic, you're all responsible for bringing people in and keeping them there and and telling them about where they could go while they're getting their tyre fixed or whatever's happening. It's such an important thing. And if there's too much sameness, then people get bored and they go elsewhere. They go down the road to the local shopping centre. But I feel like in the last 11 years that I've been here, things have changed so much in this town. And there really is a sense that people are starting to understand that they need to do something different. They need to do something special to stand out and keep people here. So the next thing I want to talk to you about, which feels to me like it's your main focus at the moment, is Cleaver. Cleaver is such a great concept and it's been so exciting to sit on the sidelines and watch it grow. Can you tell us a little bit about what Cleaver is and how and why it's got you running all over the country and overseas? This is one of my things of not being able to say no and seeing opportunities and taking a punt. All my life I've been involved in service or retail businesses where directly related to, I guess, front-facing selling to customers and buying and selling. So Cleaver Salumi Cabinets, we launched about seven years ago, and this was our or my first effort of creating my own brand or creating my own product, which was designed to sell, I guess, front-facing, but to be a little bit more expansive. So what they are is essentially a wine fridge for making salami. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with making salami, it's generally a winter sport. So it's usually you can only make it during the cooler months of the year. And so most people only make it once a year. We wanted to create something that would allow people to do this all year round. And so that's what Cleaver does. It just allows you to make salami whenever you want. We happen to fall into the concept. We happen to fall in probably at the right time because it's becoming more trendy and popular and so consequently we were able to 
with a lot of cuts and bruises and, and hard work along the way, develop a product that has really captured a niche within, I guess, the broader sense, within the salami-making community across Australia. And we've been really blessed to develop a brand that people really like and a product that's gained popularity and, you know, from a starting base of making a few units to sell, you know, to people who we knew. We've expanded over those last few years to have 20 or 20, 25 agents across Australia. We launched into New Zealand earlier this year and we're now, as you said earlier, probably 90% of my time is taken up by putting the effort into focusing on that brand, which Again, is something new to me. So you're right. I've been traveling a lot to, to get out to events and activities and working with a lot of great chefs and foodies all over Australia and New Zealand to promote the brand and, and get involved with that. So yeah, it's been a journey, exciting journey. You've got a stack of celebrity chefs who are now using cleavers, which is exciting. And I'll definitely make sure that all of the links to the businesses that we're talking about are in the show notes because it's an exciting story and it's really fun to watch from the sidelines, watching it grow and watching it turn into something. Because it's not just salami, is it? You can cure all kinds of meats and things in there. Being a small brand, we need we need to be quick on our feet. We need to evolve. You need to have a bit of diversity. If you're a bit of a one-trick pony, you can be a little bit hamstrung if things don't go your way. So we do have the cabinet's recent developments in terms of allowing dry aging of meat, which is also a, a growing category, and cheese too, which is sort of the next big thing as well. So things always skip generations. So our parents' generation was the first of the convenience type of supermarket shopping, but our grandparents' generation was that that still made all their own things. And so our generation is looking back to that history and the joy of foraging, of harvesting, of making, of preserving, of curing. And I think all of those things are starting to become more popular, both domestically and commercially. And so, yeah, as I said, we've fallen into that at the right time, which business always needs a bit of luck. I think you are not giving yourself enough credit. I think that you probably saw that wave, that change, that movement towards people making their own things. And certainly it was accelerated during the pandemic um, lockdowns when people were obviously bored and looking for things to do. So they were making sourdough and they were making their own salami and they were making granola from scratch. Like most businesses, timing plays a huge role in it. Like Timing does play a massive role. But as I said earlier on, I'm also prone to take risks. And I think that's probably the one thing that holds businesses back. So, you know, if anyone's looking at businesses that taking that first plunge, taking that punt or that acting on your gut, it's impossible to teach. You're right. We did see that movement, you know, the cooking school at String and Salt and a lot of the things that we were selling at String and Salt feed into Cleaver. But you still got to make that step. And I think that's probably the biggest difference between what we've done and, and what somebody else hasn't is that maybe we were just prepared to take that punt to start with. One of the things that comes up in discussions that I have with people time and time again is that the thing that holds them back from success in their small town is this feeling like they don't want to stick their head up, that somebody will look at them and go, oh, you're doing that. 
you shouldn't be doing that. You can't do that. You have to have a degree of guts. You have to take those risks. What would you say to people who are struggling with that? I look at this a little bit from a leadership point of view, and we've always taken our businesses from a point of view that we wanted to be leaders. We didn't want to be followers. We wanted to be leaders. And if you're worried about having your head taken off, if you stick it up, then you're probably going to struggle in that framework because you do need to be prepared to do that. You know, everyone's prepared to snipe. But if you're prepared to step forward and, and put your hand up and do what you believe and do what you're passionate about and really stick to it, then people will follow that. And if you've got it wrong and what you've decided to do is has no merit, then people won't and you're going to fail. It's a bit of being prepared to do it as much as anything else. Now, we see it with leadership all the time. If you're going to step into a leadership role and can't take a bit of flack now and then, then you're probably always going to be looking behind you for affirmation. And that's not necessarily going to end up with the right result. If you're doing the right thing and you're doing a good job and you've got some great ideas, those that are going to snipe at you are probably not the ones that you need to listen to anyway. Part of taking that risk is understanding or being comfortable with the idea of maybe it won't work out, building community around yourself, contributing to business groups, volunteering for events, getting to know your fellow business owners. It builds community. It builds that sense of trust so that people will catch you, people will support you. And I think that's one of the really important things to remember when you're starting a business in a small town is that you can't do it alone. You need people to support you. You need people to come into your shop and care about you. It's a really, really true concept is that idea of community. I suppose it comes naturally to us because we've been here like for that time. So the sense of getting involved and being part of other people's businesses, being part of business groups or being part of networking is just something we've always done. And I do remember talking to Michelle, my wife, when we were setting up String and Salt and that worry, that fear of what would happen. And I did say to her at the time, we'd been involved in the community for a number of years before then. So we were well known anyway. And so I knew that the community would give us a chance. It was just up to us to prove that we were worth it in that business. And we were only going to be given a chance because we'd been involved in the community previously, either being through business or through other aspects. So, you know, we had those networks and we had those friendships and we had those peers that would help us. It didn't mean that they were going to give us a free pass. We were given an opportunity. Yes, if you're going to start a business in a small town and you think that you're going to go it alone, then you're going to struggle. Because businesses in the small town, you don't have that large scale demographic or large population base to rely on. You have to be part of the community. So if you're going to get out there and piss people off because you're going to do it yourself and you don't care what other people think or you're going to cut in on somebody's business that's already been operational or you're going to just do what you want, you, you can be cut down pretty quickly. You do. And I think that if you move into a small town, if you move into a regional area, as a lot of people have been doing, there's that opportunity that you have when you join a community to really join the community, learn who's who, 
make friends, build community around you even before you start your business. Because even though you had all of those networks and people to support you, you're right, you offered a product, uh, you offered a service, you offered a store and a cooking school and an experience and all of these things that people not only wanted, but they needed as well. And anybody who's thinking about starting a business like that really needs to dig deep, have a look at what's around, have a look at what's missing and have a look at what's already there and I guess get the mood of the town. The concept of looking at what's missing is really important. Stella's pantry opened at the same time of that and Stacey and Bella who set that up, we knew both personally and we were going to open a store much more food orientated when we first focused on string and salt because we saw that need. But as soon as we learned what those girls were putting together and they opened, I think, either a month before or a month after us. Just for people listening, it's a deli, provador, like amazing cheese and... Yeah, awesome stuff. Meat and interesting, yeah, really beautiful food. And we happened to sort of bump into Stacey during that process and she was a bit concerned when she heard what we were doing. It's like, we can't do this alternatively. So we did have a discussion and we said, well, we're not going to cut across what you're going to do because that's your business. And they said, we're not going to cut across what we're going to do because that's our business. So we did think about that as from a broader point of view, because if we both opened and we're both doing the same thing, then, you know, it was going to be very difficult for both of us to survive. And that's not good for the town. And I guess coming back to that earlier point is that people often think when you move into a country town is that you're not a local until you've been here for 30 years sort of thing. To be honest, that's a lot of bullshit. You'll become as local as you put the effort in. If you move into a town and continue to do everything that you used to do back in where you came from, then you will take a long time to become a local. If you move into a town and get involved, you'll be a local within a matter of weeks because local people will embrace people who embrace them. And so, you know, if you get involved in helping set up the first farmer's market or get involved in the business community or get involved with the activities at school or the, the local sporting club or anything like that, you will become part of the community faster than you can bat an eyelid. Yeah, best best thing I ever did. I, I, I wouldn't have been able to start my business if I hadn't done that when I moved here. Not that I had this business in mind, certainly when I was doing all of that, but it's made such a difference to me and it's made such a difference to my business's success because you get to know people you get to understand what they're missing what they need and then and yeah you get that you get that support I've been asking everyone this what's the best thing about living in Warrigal community yeah there's, there's lots of reasons and to be honest I know. there's not many other places in the in Australia that I'd prefer living in. There's nowhere else I'd prefer to live in. That's why I'm here. But there's not many other places I could see myself living other than here. And community comes back to that point. That's where we see ourselves, whether that's our friendship group, whether that's our peers in business, whether that's just our customers who we know by name or face or have known for years. I think is the really key factor. And I know we started that conversation about that and in essence, it's hard to go by. Every other lovely little town will say the same sort of thing. And I'm sure, yeah, where all other people you interview will, will say very similar, but in a country town, it comes down to that. 
It's true. And I think that it was never more, never made clearer to me than during those couple of years when we were locked down and watching everybody scramble to keep our local businesses alive was just epic, really. We came out the other end and didn't lose as many businesses as I had thought at the start, which has been really great. And I think that comes down to this idea of community. And we're very lucky to have that community here. And you're a part of that. And Mish is a part of that. And your store is a part of that. And Press Sellers is a part of that. And all of these sort of legacy businesses. So yes, thank you. And thanks for having this chat with me today. It's been great. My pleasure. And thank you for what you do too. Don't cut that out. <laughs> I wait. <laughs> I'm not editing. Small Town Business was recorded on the lands of the Gunai Kurnai, and I would like to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Big thanks to Chris at Jetstreamer for production and editing support. I'd be talking into a tin can without you. Don't forget to subscribe or follow. And if you like what you hear, please write a review to help me reach more people. Thanks for listening. 